The presenting sponsor of Moon Tower Soccer is FVF Law. To find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm, you can visit FVF.law. Hello, friends, and thanks for listening to Moon Tower Soccer. This week, we're going to cover the Austin FC News of the Week. We'll answer some Patreon questions, and we have an interview with Travis Greenfield from Los Nerdes Verdes. My name's Landon Cottom, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Jeremiah Bentley. Hey, everybody, I'm Jeremiah Bentley. Landon, you were in... You drove by New York City Stadium last week, so I assume, or took a train by. I assume you were in New York City recently. Is I was. that correct? Yeah, Ashley has been uh, traveling a lot for work, and so we decided to pick one of the destinations she was going to be at, and I would just go visit her there for a weekend. So I went to New York while she was there for work, and um, yeah, it was great. I hadn't been to New York in quite a while, but got to eat some excellent pizza, some good bagels, saw some comedy, uh, went out to Flushing on the like. Chinese New Year's Eve and got to hang out in a Chinese neighborhood and get some great food out there doing that. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. I don't think I could live there. I think I'm too old and soft to live there (laughs) at this point in my life, but I love visiting whenever I can. Yeah. I always, I have this belief that New York's a great, you should in your twenties for like 18 months or two years, like live in New York. And then other than that, it's probably like a great place to visit and not live. Yeah. I mean, I think there's like if you're in a certain industry or have a, a specific set of uh, goals or dreams, then New York is maybe a place you have to live. Um, otherwise, it just seems kind of hard. Well, okay. So it, I, I, go sorry, ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I was going to say, I didn't go to New York, but I went to Hold Out Brewing last night. <laughs> I saw, I was going to, I saw the Murga like do their awards thing. And oh, nice. And talk to him about uh, practice. They just had like their first big practice on Tuesday. And so there's a ton of people and a ton of energy. And that got me even more excited for the 2023 season. Uh, was to at least like see all those people again. See a big crowd of people who are like say that they're going to kill it. And they're all very excited. That makes me all very excited about this upcoming season for Austin FC. Holdout Brewing is a place I I love. I love both their their beer and their, their burgers are excellent if you haven't had one of those. Um, but going back to food for a second, I searched out like excellent bagels and excellent pizza in New York city, because those are things that they're known for. Right. And I did find some excellent bagels and some excellent pizza. And when comparing, like people say like, Oh, you can't find good bagels outside of New York city. I think that's not true because there are, I think it made me realize like in Austin, we have access to some really good versions of those two things. I think the best of what is available in New York is better than what we have in Austin. But if you look at like home slice pizzas across the street from my office and that pizza compared to just an average slice in New York blows the average slice out of the water. I think there's places in New York that are probably better, but, uh, and the same with the bagels, we go to Holy Bagel, which is close to our house. And I've heard there's a, a few other places in town that make excellent bagels too. Um, so it, yeah, it kind of made me appreciate some of the stuff we have here in Austin. Yeah. So I, my bagel place, I haven't found a pizza place as close to me in North Austin. That's like that, but river city bagels is on Anderson mill road. And it's like run by this grumpy guy who sounds kind of Russian. And it's very, <laughs> it's like a very authentic, like New York experience. And the bagels are really, really good. They're the best I've had uh, in town. Well, we we were the the place we found in New York that we really loved was called Court Street Bagels, and the man was actually lovely. The guy who run, runs that shop, 
just like the most New York dude you've ever seen, but also like super friendly and uh, just like really joyful and kind of like a guy you can just sit in the corner and watch him interact with customers and make your day better. So that was very refreshing as well. That's that's a very refreshing, like good, <laughs> it's a good New York City story, which I don't know that a bunch of everybody has necessarily. All right. Should we jump into the Austin FC news, Jeremiah? Yeah, let's talk about news that you got on the side, I think, from last week about why there might not be a first-round CONCACAF Champions League match in Austin's future. Yeah, so we had... like It was not not a secret that there was a possibility that the Violet players, which is uh, the team from Haiti that Austin was matched up with, might not be able to get visas to get into the U.S. to play in that leg of CCL. That happened to the Haitian team last year, and so we knew it was a possibility this year. Uh, I was able to talk to someone with with very direct and reliable knowledge of the situation saying that those players indeed had their visas denied, like most of the team had their visas denied. So that has not been um, publicized anywhere yet, but it it le- I mean it leads me to believe that 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 just means that round is not going to happen. Uh, Seth Rao, whenever we had him on the show, was saying that he had been led to believe that if Violette were unable to get visas for the second leg, that the first leg would not happen. And so there's some people asking if um, they would maybe take a three-point forfeit or like a three-goal forfeit or whatever and then still play that leg on the road uh, in the Dominican Republic. But it sounds like from what Seth is saying and from what this, this person that I spoke to is saying that this is – this round is very unlikely to happen, and then Austin will essentially get a bye to the second round and play the winner of uh, Club Leon from Mexico and is it FC Tauro uh, from Panama? From Panama. Yeah, I don't remember which club it was, but I know it's definitely from, from Panama. So I read online some criticism of U.S. immigration. Po- this We're about to get way beyond our level of knowledge on things, <laughs> by the way. I'll just say this now. Like U.S. immigration policy uh, in, in this decision uh, – but one has to think the fact that Haiti has basically not a functioning government is the biggest factor why these guys wouldn't get visas. Yeah, I mean, I it, it, I was this source told me that the the reason given to the players was that they are flight risks um, if they enter the United States. Which, uh, it, but like this is not a criticism of those players. It's like almost certainly true for the, for the reasons that you just stated, like Haiti's not in a, in a good way right now. They do not have an official government at the moment. Um, and so, yeah, it, it is really unfortunate though, that like things like that are the reasons why they're not going to get to participate in this competition, that they earned their way into this competition and will not get to participate in it for, for reasons far beyond their control. And I think that's sad. Like it's, it's, good from a strategic standpoint for Austin FC, just because in a game where they're already going to be playing a ton of games to have two fewer matches to play at the beginning of the season, you can kind of save your legs and and build up form for that second round. Um, That's, that'll be an advantage to Austin, but just looking at like the spirit of the game and kind of the human element of it, it's, it's really sad that it's not going to happen. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. It's, it's sad. For, it's sad for those those players um, to not get that opportunity. Uh, and I mean, it's just what I mean. It's just a sad situation overall. Like in Haiti, like just in a general, every sense of the word, human situation for for things to be the way they are is 
it was kind of awful. Um, yeah. So we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see, um, official announcements of that from, from the club or from CONCACAF, wherever that will come from. But, uh, I would say at this point, do not buy tickets to the Dominican Republic to that first leg game and, uh, don't hold your breath waiting for it to happen. Well, let's now let's move on to something that we said we probably shouldn't do, but we also said we would do, and that is overanalyze a preseason match from tiny clips that we got to see of just goals and then sort of a live blog from the Philadelphia Union website. Because Austin played a match. When was that? Was that on Sunday? Uh, Saturday. Saturday. On Saturday against the Philadelphia Union in Florida. Dropped it three to two. We got to see some clips on the Austin side, just the goals. Um, what did you think about it, Landon? You ready to like change your opinion on uh, multiple players based upon performance uh, in that one match? <laughs> yeah, we. I think we learned our lesson with Tomas Pochettino to to read absolutely nothing into these games. I am not going to change uh, my opinions on anything or expectations on anything, but I think there are a few things we can take away from it still. Um, one of the things is the players that we saw in the the clips or in photos of this, this game. So guys like uh, Sal Mazzaferro and Valentin Noel both saw the field. We saw them in, in video clips and in photos on the field playing with guys who you would consider starters. And so I thought that was interesting to see. Um, we have, we're going to get into a bunch of listener questions later on, but we have some peppered in throughout the show. This one comes from Nicole Blair, who was number 32 with the assist on Valentin Noel's goal against Philadelphia. Number 32 was David Rodriguez. There's uh, some internet sleuthing going on by the North End podcast. And I think We Are Austin TV was was on it, but all the all of Austin FC's Twitter's finest were were on the job and finally figured out that it was David Rodriguez, who is a uh, Austin FC two player. So apparently he got a run out at striker for a little bit and ended up getting the assist to Valentin Noel, who is one of the draft picks who is yet to be signed to a contract. And so, um, that was interesting that those two connected for that goal. Uh, I think one of the more interesting things is guys, we did not see footage of playing on the field. Um, that list contains names like Emiliano Ragoni, Adam Lundquist, CJ Fodre, uh, Ocampo Chavez and Jackson Walty. So some of these are more surprising than others. Um, do you think we should read into that part at all? Uh, well, I guess which, which, which guys do you find more surprising than others? Like Rigoni and Lundqvist? I think Rigoni, Lundqvist and Fodre. Just yeah. if Valentin Noel and Mazzaferro are getting a run out, you would, ex- you would think Fodre would as well. Yeah, I think that's probably true. No, I'm not going to read anything into that because I've made that mistake before. I don't know what they were doing. I don't know if uh, Rigoni drew uh, MLS media day duty, so maybe they gave him some extra time off. For, yeah, that's true. For 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 pulling that. Um, you know, Lundqvist is pretty new in town, so I don't know that I'm going to read a whole lot into what we saw out of folks. And I do, I did want to back that up. I think the North End Pod maybe managed to put together like both 11s. I know they managed to finally piece together the starting 11s, so I wanted to congratulate them. Um, on being able to do that. But uh, what what do you think about who we didn't see? Yeah, I mean, I think an, another thing that's interesting or that should be kept in mind is that when you're rotating all these guys in and out, some of these guys may have seen five or 10 minutes and just didn't make it into a clip or into a photo 
Um, True. So I think that's possible. But yeah, it could be. I'm sure with it being so early in preseason that Dave Tinney and the high performance staff are monitoring guys like Rigoni and Lundquist, especially like these guys who you would consider starting caliber or rotational caliber who we didn't really see. Um, maybe he's seeing that their bodies aren't quite ready to, to put in game type effort. And so maybe he told Wolf like, Hey, we need to sit these guys or play them very, very limited minutes. Um, so I, again, even with that, I don't think we should read too much into it. I think, uh, as yeah, I, I think that part of it, we, if we go entire preseason and still aren't seeing some of them or, uh, if we're getting into the first game and still aren't seeing them, I think that's when we can get concerned. But at this moment, yeah, I don't, I don't think you should think too much of it. Even um, one one player that we didn't see that I think maybe we should have some questions about is is Musajite, and this is one of the the Patreon questions we got was from Rick Bendez, and he says, "Any news about Jite? Um, do we know anything about Musajite? He's not appeared in any." team photos, any training photos, any camp photos, uh, and was not in the game photos or footage. So do we know where he is? Well, we, I, this is where I saw reactions to photos, but not the actual photos. Like I believe that he's been training in Senegal recently, um, after training in Austin, right during like December. So hopefully he's getting a extended off season. Remember there was a deal last year where he'd like lost family members and like had a baby he didn't spend a time with and all those kinds of things. So like, my hope and I think probably the most logical explanation about what's going on with Musa Chite is he's just getting a little more time off and not having a report back. Um, but at the same time, everyone else is. I can't imagine that the Giasi Zardes signing has somehow turned Musa Chite in his camp so off to the Austin FC project that he's like not coming back to Austin. But what what do you read into not seeing him around? Yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it could be a lot of things. Like you said, he had some some family trouble last year. Um, he does not have a green card, correct? I be- believe that's, I don't know. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to stay out of guessing immigration <laughs> law at this point. Uh, yeah. W- without looking it up and maybe being wrong. Like if he, if he's not one of the players that got green cards at the end of last season, which I believe he, I don't think he did. But so maybe he's working on something with that. Uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe there's a transfer in the works. I think it could be equal parts any of those things, and we have no clues to say what they are. But um, hopefully, we get some more information on that soon, just because uh, the season gets closer and closer every day. Yeah, and we were just talking last week about how striker is one of Austin's deepest positions. I think if it is just. Giassi Zardes and Mexi Ruti at the nine with no third striker. I would change my opinion on that. So a couple of other things that I think we can take away from this game and just what we've seen from camp so far in general. Uh, one specifically from the game is Valentin Noel. We talked about a couple of weeks ago how he doesn't really seem to be a number nine, even though that's where he played 95% of his minutes in college was at the nine. Uh, based on the photos that we saw, he was on the field at the same time as Jossie Zardes, which means he was not playing the nine at that point in time. Um, the graphic that the North End podcast and We Are Awesome TV, I think Hive Mind put together, had him on the left wing. So Zardes at the nine, Drusi at the 10. 
and Valentin Noel at the left wing. I think that that actually makes a lot of sense as far as his skill set. And I think a couple of weeks ago, this is going to sound like me trying to make myself sound smart, but <laughs> I really did think this as soon as we stopped recording. We were talking about depth at the left wing and how there was just nobody there. And I thought about, ah, we should have mentioned Noel as kind of like a dark horse to slot in in that spot. Like if he has a really strong camp, maybe he ends up getting um, getting a first team spot and getting a chance to to play there because I, he's he's not the same player as as Diego, but I think his skill set would fit in at that position fairly well. So that'll be another thing to watch to see if he continues getting minutes um, in that position or or in a similar position to that. I think the other one is uh, Micah Burton. This is not so much from the game because I don't believe he played in this game, but from footage in training and uh, yeah, just training footage since he came back from national team camp, he has been appearing in these training sessions with, with guys on the first team. And so I think that means at the very least he's in consideration for uh, a spot in the MLS next pro team, um, potentially even a homegrown contract and getting a spot on the first team um, I, with the way Roster spots are looking right now. I would say the latter seems less likely. Um, but the fact that he's there means they're at least going to, if not sign him to uh, a next pro contract, that he'll at least get some minutes with them playing up from the academy this year. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I guess there's no benefit for uh, for Austin to sign him to a homegrown contract unless they're absolutely sure he's going to play with the first team, right? Like, Because right. you lose some flexibility when you do that. You lose flexibility in terms of roster positioning and you lose flexibility um in terms of what you could just do with micah so i would imagine unless they really think that they're gonna he's gonna play some minutes this year you won't see him do that but he's a super exciting prospect and i think for anybody that's gonna watch austin fc2 on the apple tv deal like that he's definitely a player to watch out and this is another thing just not having had the second team and not really following these kinds of things as closely because we haven't had the players or the team to follow. If I'm Micah Burton and they're not giving me the homegrown contract, but they're saying like, Hey, we'll give you this next pro contract for this season. And if you do well, we'll give you the homegrown contract next season and you'll be on the first team. If I'm him, I'm thinking maybe I just don't take that contract. I'll stay an amateur for the moment. Uh, then if I decide I want to, go off somewhere else, go to Europe, go wherever I want. I still have the flexibility to do that. And I think that's going to be a thing that we start seeing more and more players do, or maybe a a high level USL club offers him a big contract and he can go play professional minutes and, and make money while doing it. Like he has that flexibility until he signs a contract. And so, and if he's still in the Academy, he can still play next pro minutes without signing a contract and tying himself down to that. So um, I would guess like guys at his, of his caliber would be unlikely to sign a next pro contract. They, they're either going to want a homegrown. And if they don't think they're going to get that, I would expect them to go elsewhere and look for minutes and, and a contract somewhere else. Yeah. That makes a ton of sense. We are here. Like you said, we are in a whole new world for, for Austin, for, um for how we deal with this, these kind of, situations where we have players that are able to do that well let's maybe talk about austin's future in florida so they will austin moves on to orlando uh there'll be a match on the 27th which is gonna be friday against fc cincinnati 
I expect we will see exactly as much out of this one as we saw out of the Philadelphia match. Maybe less, because I don't know that Cincinnati's committed to broadcasting anything out of it. Um, but we'll see some more grainy highlight videos. We'll probably draw <laughs> some insane conclusions out of it. And I think the other big, the bigger piece of news uh, on Friday is supposedly Leo Weissenden is coming to town. So hopefully getting him in a little earlier than people thought we might. Um, give him give him a little bit of chance to spend some offseason time with the club. What do you what's your take on on this move? Yeah, I mean I'm I'm excited to get him here. And it, it seems like he'll miss because the team plays their last game in Florida on Friday, right? Right. And so I I I was at first I was thinking like why isn't he flying straight to Florida? But yeah, that that makes sense that he's just gonna wait for him here because they're probably coming back that day or the next day. Um but I, I think this opens up some interesting listener questions here as well. One of them being from Elliot Wynn. He says, it seems like we've been chasing Vicenin for two seasons now, given his age relative to Gabrielson. Um, I wonder what the, if the idea the entire time was that Gabrielson would be a stopgap for one or two years while we couldn't get Vicenin. And then once we signed him, that means Gabrielson could go back to Europe. So I think to, to, if I'm understanding the question right, it means that Vicenin was the number one target all the time. And that when we couldn't get him, we bring in Vicenin for one or two years, all the while thinking we could chase down, we could maybe still get Vicenin at some point. And once we bring in Vicenin, then we could be done with Ruben. Um, I, I guess, A, the first question is, do you think that Vicenin was the number one target? Well, I, you know, I have no real knowledge of this, but I think feel like from what we saw out of both of them last season and that Vicenin was the number one target. But the point that Elliot made here about not knowing exactly how good Ruben would be, you know, like Ruben, I think one would have to say that Ruben exceeded expectations last yeah. season. And so while, and if we go back and listen, like at this time last year, if, if Ruben wasn't in yet, I was probably saying that I would prefer Vicenin over Gabrielson, but I had no idea what we're going to get out of Ruben. And now I'm like, it's almost the opposite, right? You almost like let a sure thing go in terms of what you knew you're going to get out of Ruben in speculation for Vicenin. But I think he probably was their first target, don't you think? It kind of seems that way. The order that that the information came out and just kind of the domino effect that they had on each other both times, it seems like, yeah, Vicenin was at least the the 1A, if not just the one period. <laughs> um but as far as the other, like, I don't know if it was some master plan because you never know. That, that seems how overly going to work complicated. Out. Yeah. To the, that, that, that yeah. was like somehow the plan. I think, I think you're probably right. Right. It's like, but I, I think one. it just, it's a fortuitous thing that happened that, okay, one wasn't available. The other one became available. We took him all of a sudden, the one that we got is no longer available. And lucky, luckily enough, the other one became available at that point as well. Uh, or the the dollar signs went up until he was available. Um, so I th- I think we as as unfortunate it was to lose Ruben when we did. I think the whole thing worked out far better than it could have. Like it could have been a disaster where we have neither of them. Oh yeah, absolutely. Or or we're in a situation where Austin's right now scrambling for option C, whoever option C might right. be, and you've got a grumpy Ruben who for very good reasons doesn't want to be here. And Austin's kind of like stuck in a bind between letting him go and having no option or like trying to chase somebody down. They're not that familiar with. Yeah. Uh, the other question about Vicenin comes from Alex mod. He says with, 
Weissman coming to Austin on Friday, does he have enough time to start over Kippy and or Romagna versus St. Louis? Looking at the calendar, I mean, if he arrives on the 27th, that would give him one, two, three, four. That's like four weeks before the first game. I think that's plenty of time for him to get up to fitness and to, to slot in with the team. Um, if he's as good as we think he is, I would put money on him starting that first game as long as he's fit enough to do so. Yeah, I don't have any disagreement with that. I, I expect to see him in the starting 11 against St. Louis City on February 25th. All right, let's move on to the next piece of news, which is uh, Owen Wolf got a call up to the U20 national team camp. So uh, worth mentioning, his older brother, Tyler, is also going to be in this camp. I, oh, I missed that at first, but they're going to get yeah, to camp together. I hadn't seen that. That's very sweet. Do you think they'll be roommates? Uh, I mean, you would guess so. I don't know how it works, but you would imagine so. Um, but anyway, I, I think this is great. Like Owen's been getting national team call-ups. We've had several academy players getting these national team call-ups. I think this one is especially meaningful because they're preparing for that U20 World Cup that is taking place in May, I believe. So this call-up means something. Like it's not just a speculative, like bring this guy and see how it is. They're trying to narrow down their final roster for that competition. And the fact that Owen is is in that list means that there's a decent chance. Uh he, like he's he's being given the opportunity to earn a spot in that roster at the very least, if not being expected to be in that roster. So uh if, as far as his career for the notoriety of of Austin FC players, I think it's a good thing. It could end up being not a great thing for Austin, though, just because of when that falls. If he ends up being gone for several weeks playing in another competition, he's not going to be here for Austin. Do we think that's going to be an issue? Well, I mean, it could be because it's not the, uh, I guess it's not the training camp necessarily, but right. If, but if he makes a squad for the U20 World Cup, then that interferes with a very congested part of Austin FC's schedule because that is when we know that. CONCACAF Champions League, MLS regular season, and US Open Cup are all going to be going to be going on. And that's exactly when you need to have a guy like Owen Wolf available to eat some minutes. Yeah, I mean, especially we have some more, like we have more depth in the midfield, I think, this season, uh, especially if everybody stays healthy. But we were talking about like him being a stopgap on the wing if we need it. And so if we do lose a couple of guys to injury, like, yeah, not having Owen Wolf could be a problem. But if everyone does stay healthy, like, I think we're okay without him for a little stretch. Um, but it, it might be something that Josh Wolf needs to plan around as far as load management and things like that as Owen prepares to leave for that tournament if he gets called into it. Yeah, when he's when his mom's, like, packing his matching outfits for him in his suitcase, <laughs> making sure he has snacks and, you know, sufficient cell phone coverage to be able to call home. It'll be great. Um, we've got another player signing today. I think this is right. We got a player oh, yeah, signing. Right. Oh, player signing and name change. Uh, do you want to go through this one? Yeah. So this is uh, Anthony Deanda was officially signed to Austin FC two. This is a player that we have called on the podcast many times. Anthony Gonzalez. That is what he was listed on the Austin FC roster as. Um, so I'm glad to get a confirmation on his his preferred last name, but Anthony Deanda was a Austin FC Academy player played one full season 
with the Austin FC Academy and then has played a little bit of like the 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 overage games. He's he's aged out of the academy, but is still allowed to play against um MLS competition and then has been training with the first team. And so this is a player that uh, I kind of hoped would uh, would get into this Austin FC2 team and him being the like what the fifth or sixth official signing it seems like he's probably going to be a pretty big part of the plan yeah so he's a fifth official signing let's talk about a little little bit about him as a player uh just for for those that need some uh memory refreshing yeah anthony is he's played a little bit on the left wing but mostly a fullback um a very exciting and fun to watch fullback so i think we've talked about i was talking about um uh Mazzaferro and guys like Charlie Asensio who are like seem like solid players but they're not that much fun to watch. Anthony is fun to watch. Like he is he is really exciting whenever he's on the field. And so I as far as like the like looking at academy prospects and what their ceilings are, I think there's some other guys who if I were to place a bet on how far they can go, I might pick some one of these other guys ahead of him but as far as like guys I want to watch play Anthony is high on that list he's he's a lot of fun so um yeah I'm I'm hoping he gets some minutes and and can put on a show for us with this Austin FC2 team what you mentioned so Austin FC2 has five players right now and him being the fifth but we also got news that today in listener time uh Austin FC2 is going to have their first practice on January 24th at St. David's Performance Center the first team is in Florida. Um, so there's just kind of five guys kicking the ball around in a circle. Like what, what do we expect to see out of tomorrow? Yeah, that's, and I would imagine they're going to be training with, well, and also like some of the Austin FC two guys are in Florida, right? <laughs> well, Dougie Rodriguez is there. Anthony has been in pictures training i guess he he was in picture signing his yeah. contract today though so i don't know uh, i'm very confused about what we're going to see tomorrow <laughs> we're not going to be there there is an opportunity to i think it's talk to uh anthony and the coach but uh, yeah I, I don't know what to expect out of that training at st david's performance center i am going to try to go if i can uh figure out work stuff um but yeah i'll i'll report back on on twitter if i end up getting to go but <laughs> looking at this roster, you mentioned we have five officially signed players. Like, should we be concerned? Should, should we have more players at this point? <laughs> well, I, I guess, well, two things. One, we know that the goal is to sign between 16 and 18 players, which means there are 11 and 13 players. Between 11 and 13 players to sign over the next six weeks. I mean, you want them to get some amount of practice, right? You don't just want to sign them the day before the season starts. There's also going to be you know, maybe eight guys, seven or eight guys rolling down, which is probably going to be, I would assume, the bulk of the starters for Austin FC too. So the think the players that are unsigned are maybe mostly depth pieces. Um, but I guess the other question is, like, do you think that there are, will we see players who just haven't been announced? Right, like, yeah, there I, was a first group of announced guys, like Anthony. Like, obviously, he's because he was in the academy. Like, he's a special piece of news. But, like, do, do we think there's going to be other players out there that they just, for whatever reason, they're going to announce them in bulk, or you know, I, I just, I don't know. There, I feel like there's that, not the whole story has been told. 
Yeah, I would guess that there are players that have been training and playing with this group that have not been announced yet because they were playing um they were playing games against like semi-pro and like amateur teams in the fall, I believe. And so they they were putting together a full team. I don't know if they were bringing up a lot of academy players to to make that happen, but Regardless, they're not. It's not like they're gonna get to the first game and not have enough players to put on the field. It's. It might take some time to fill out the full roster, but if you look at the like, we have twenty eight players that have contracts at the moment. If you add the three other draft picks that don't have contracts yet, and then the. You can have up to eleven amateur players on a game day roster. Um, if you add all that together, it's not hard to fill out a game day roster, but you can only have five amateur players on the field, meaning like five academy players on the field at one time. And so they do need to fill in some of those spots or give some of these academy players next pro contracts to be able to play, to be able to fill out a game. So there is some more work to do, but I don't know. I mean, I, I it's probably going to be, a lot of learning and, and slow rolling this first season as uh, Austin FC as an organization learns how to manage this team and learns what they want this team to be and how they want to make it happen. So um, yeah, I don't know. I, I imagine there's going to be a lot of, a lot of learning going on and it's probably not going to be rocking and rolling on day one, but they'll get there and they'll have a team to put out. Well, let's maybe there's a, we have another question from Kerr and Kelly that we can get into pretty quickly. Uh, confused on the dynamic between first and second team, do players have to be on a specific contract to be able to bounce between the two teams, like the equivalent of an NBA two way contract? Uh, yeah, I, I, mean, in, I don't know that we sh- know that, but like we've got a pretty strong idea of what it's going to be. In short, players can play down; they can't play up. There you go. Uh, and again, this is goes back to my rule about like. Rules in MLS generally exist to keep teams from spending money or keep teams from spending more money than another owner. And so if you could send next pro players up anytime you wanted to, you could just sign some like studs onto your next pro team and then just play them up on the MLS team every week. Uh, The alternative is like giving guys who are not making game day rosters the ability to get some minutes and playing them down. There's no like cash prizes or like you don't get into CCL for winning MLS Next Pro. And so, yeah, you can play amazing players on the next. We could play Driussi on the next pro team if we wanted to, but why? Why would we? (laughs) Serves no purpose. Yeah. Uh, And so, yeah, it it goes back to that. Like you can't, you can play players down to get minutes, but you can't play players up unless they are on an MLS contract. Yeah, that's a that's a very simple, straightforward way to put it. But there, I mean, of course, with everything, there are exceptions, there's hardships and things like that. But you're not going to see that very often. Well, um, I think I want to. There's a couple other things I want to make sure we get to before we just go into grab bag of listener questions. And one is that we saw two Austin FC announcers get Apple TV deals this week, and I think one of them was very expected, and one of them was a little bit surprised by. Yeah, absolutely. So Adrian Healy is getting signed on. I don't think we've seen any any details about exactly how he's going to be involved, just that he will be involved. Right. We've only seen that news from Adrian. I guess both these pieces of news are from the announcer. So one's from Adrian 
The other one's from Sunny Guadarrama. And look, we haven't seen... Apple and MLS have not announced another round of announcer signings. We just heard from them that they're going to be part of the cruise. Yeah, so in did Sonny say, is he going to be on the Spanish language side? I think I read the Striker article from Phil, and I'm pretty sure that he is going to be on the Spanish language side, at least primarily. Maybe not exclusively, but that is I what think Yeah, I think do. there's going to be some who do work on both, which Sonny, Sonny's excellent at doing both of them. So yeah, that's great. I, I did not see it coming, but I'm very happy for him and, and glad. I, I think him and Roger did an excellent job on the Spanish language broadcast. Uh, and y'all, y'all already know how I feel about Adrian, but um, it looks like at the moment at least that Adrian is still going to be working for the club. Uh, do like, do we think that's going to continue on into the season? Well, we, we do from, and I guess we'll give Elise credit for asking this question. This is another Patreon question. Do we get to keep him in his addition to this partnership? I mean, from reading his Twitter bio, uh, he talks both about being associated with Apple and doing stuff for the club. So I think that we could see him do that. Um, I'm really hopeful that we will get him on the show in the next maybe three weeks or so and like directly ask him about that. Um, whatever there's like more that he's able to say, but it seems like there's the opportunity there that we kind of mentioned, you know, before that maybe he can kind of do both. He can be one of the traveling announcers on weekends and also during the week do a little work for Austin FC. Yeah. Well, in, in Elise's question, she says that she saw him or heard him covering the Barcelona game uh, over the weekend. And so he is already doing work for Austin FC and doing some work for ESPN at times. And so the fact that he can do both of those jobs now would make you think that he could still do both. And I don't, I don't know that Apple would have any problem with that. Um, so yeah, hopefully we get to keep Adrian here, but we'll, we'll see as, as time goes on, uh, and more of those details come out. Uh, and the other, the other thing is because we committed to talking about it, even though we don't really understand it, when the announcement came out that the allocation order is no longer a part of uh, Major League Soccer, and somebody asked us what that meant and what it was and how we would go forward with it, we said we would talk about it. So let's go ahead and cover that too. Okay, so yeah, the allocation order is dead. Uh <laughs> Uh, can you briefly go into what the allocation order is? I, I, I okay. we can maybe tag team this as far as it's, it's a list of who gets dibs on a certain set of players. Do you think that's a good starting point? That is a good starting point. And there of course are like a list of exceptions and a list of players, but yeah, basically it's, if you think about it, it's basically like holding a spot in a draft order or waiver order. So there's like a list of players who are potentially available to the league. Um, Generally, I think the allocation order is sort of in reverse order of finish until you use your spot and then you roll back down to the bottom. Um, so uh, that's a way, like when a player is coming back in, uh, there would be allocation. Well, there would be an allocation order, but then teams would like trade funny money to get around it anyhow. So it didn't seem like particularly useful. I mean, you got the money out of it, though. That's if true. You, if you had the number one spot and another team wanted it. And I think Austin FC benefited from that a couple of times, trading around in that in that order. But it's essentially highly desirable players for one reason or another. Uh, U.S. national team players, youth national team players, former MLS players who left for a lot of money and are coming back. It's guys like that who are going to be highly desirable. Again, all the rules in MLS are based on keeping people from spending more than somebody else. And so 
if the if LAFC wanted to go out and sign the entire U.S. men's national team, this rule would keep them from doing that. Uh, this rule is dead now, so <laughs> they they are allowing um, St. Louis to keep the last allocation order spot that will ever exist because they had trade. I think they traded for it and wanted to to. MLS didn't want to just like take away a valuable asset from them. And so they let them put one player on their list for the rest of time to use the last allocation spot, last allocation order spot on. And they chose Josh Sargent, which is, uh, he's a St. Louis kid. It would be a really big deal if he one day came back and played for them. And so that's who they chose. But from then on, like if any, if a, a national team player is coming back to MLS, if a, a big time MLS player that left and is coming back, then it seems like in just any team will be able to negotiate with that player and, and sign them if they have the space for him, right? Well, almost, because while the allocation order went away, we still have the discovery right process. And this is, uh, this is so dumb. And I, 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 like, I just want to <laughs> thank people for listening. I want to thank people for asking questions. I want to thank people for listening and appreciate uh, you know people being around. So anyhow... Every team basically has the right to put up to seven players on their discovery list at any point in time so that they can basically call dibs on any player in the world with some restrictions. Um, so while allocation order is gone, people can still have discovery lists. And I think the most tangible example of that is, I think, wasn't Musa Jite on LA Galaxy's discovery list last, well, I guess not last year, but 2021? So I feel like Austin... He was on somebody. He was on somebody. I can't remember what maybe, team Maybe it was. wasn't Galaxy, but Austin had to trade like 50000 in GAM in order to... To be to get Musaji's discovery rights, um, so that's still out there. So that's basically the mechanism by which it's it it like well, allocation order is gone. It's the thing that keeps people from being able to just acquire anybody they want at any point in time without having to make some kind of financial transaction within the league. But I th- I think overall this is a positive step. It's one more stupid rule that will stop existing. Right. I think it's that's that's the punch. That's the bottom line of this whole story. There's one fewer stupid rule. And we can all move forward knowing that the league is a little less complicated. And I think Sam Seishkel and Paul Tenorio are committed to not renaming their podcast, which is <laughs> probably the most important news out of this. And if, if you still don't understand it, you can just rest easy knowing that you don't ever have to now. Right. Uh, all right, let's, Jeremiah, should we take a break? Yeah, let's take a break and then we'll get into some more questions and we'll get into the interview. All right, hang tight. We'll be right back with more Moon Tower Soccer. Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by Sage Wilson Property Group. If you or someone you know are in need of Sage Real Estate advice in Austin, talk to our friends at Sage Wilson Property Group. You can find Sage Wilson Property Group at sagewilson.com. And as always, Moon Tower Soccer is brought to you by our friends at FVF Law, the official injury lawyers of Austin FC. FVF is a different kind of personal injury law firm dedicated to community, transparency, and client education. You can go to fvf.law and find out what makes FVF a different kind of injury law firm and why understanding your legal options can dramatically change the outcome of a case. Once again, that's fvf.law. All right, we are back. We have a lot of Patreon questions to get through. We're going to try to... I think we can answer them all. Do you think we can do it, Jeremiah? I think we can. We can do it. Let's go for it. Okay, we're going to go fast, though. 
This one is from Alex Rubio. He says this question is for both Moon Tower and Swoon Tower. Alex says, Ruben and Felipe contributed a lot to the dynamic and culture of Austin FC, from being a dad to spiciness. Who do you think of the old roster that will fill in those gaps and who of the new players will fill in those gaps? Um, so I I have, um, I guess for like the easy one is new guys coming in to fill in the gaps. Jossie Zardes has the dad vibes filled in easily. Like he's, he's his dad as they come, it seems. Yeah, I, there's no doubt about that. And I think for the old, uh, I think you can just kind of look at this group of, like the boys together at Universal here hanging out together and just see it's it's the whole basically South American crew plus Jean, right? That's kind of holds that like Mate Convoss and like the sort of the the, the team vibe that in chemistry that, that that they can bring together. And I really think when you look at Felipe's housing from the sideline, I think that Mexi Aruti can fill that spot, right? When you need a guy that's like warming yeah. up to when you need a guy that's like warming up to come in for the second half, they can kind of like play with the ball in the corner and stuff. Like I feel like that's a role that Maxi's going to play a lot. And I feel like that's, that's a role that Maxi's very capable of doing. So I think he's somebody you can see a lot of potential out of that since he's not having to bear such a burden of like all those minutes on the field. Yeah. I, I, that's, that's a good shout. That's not one I had thought much about, but yeah, he's going to have more time and energy to, to dedicate to that kind of stuff this season, probably. So that's a good shout. As far as just kind of leadership stuff goes, I think there's a few guys who are just like getting a little bit older and, and getting to that age and experience level where they can contribute a bit more leadership. Someone that comes to mind when I think of that is John Gallagher, uh, just f- being, such an important part of the team last year. And he's, I think he's 27 now, something like that. He's, he's becoming like one of the older guys on the team. And so I think he can be one of those guys that starts to become a leader. Also from I've, I've heard you don't see this a lot in the games, but I've heard that in training that he can be quite feisty. And so maybe we start to see that come out a little bit more on the pitch. Um, And I also think like someone like Diego, he's, I don't know that Diego's ever going to be like the vocal leader, but very much a lead by example guy. Like nobody works as hard as that guy. And so maybe as he's kind of coming of that age as well, becoming one of the older guys on the team that he can maybe lead in his own way. I don't think he's ever going to do it in the same way as some of these other guys, but he'll, he'll definitely sets an example for the way he works and the way that, that he gives his all on the field. Yeah, I think just having that guy around also helps. Like, just have, let the other people have their roles, like, and bring that together on the team. Well, how about question for Brad? Uh, how do you know how much a player is worth? Seems like there's always an agreed upon market rate, but who is out there determining that Teresi is worth 15 million and not 12 or 18 million, for example? Yeah. So the short answer, I mean, the like the layman's answer is transfer marked. So this is a, a German website that. Uh, does a really good job of compiling stats and player info and and pretty much everything you could want to know about a player is available on transfer marks to to a certain degree. They have they use a lot of like models, financial models and things like that. But in the end, they kind of have this community of people that come together and and decide this and they update it a few times a year. Uh, but it's it's things like things that are listed on their website are future prospects, age, performance at club and national team. A level of status of the league that they're playing in, um, reputation and prestige. So they, they're looking at everything that that could be factored into this um, 
to to a transfer fee. And so the, and they 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 factor in every part of it. So like people talk about Christian Pulisic probably got sold to Chelsea for more than maybe he would have because he's an American and that's going to be a huge marketing draw for them. They'll factor things like that in. Um, the truth is that like this is just an estimate and that a player is worth whatever someone is willing to pay for them. And so a lot of times when people are are spouting these numbers off, that is generally what what we're pulling it from is from transfer marked, which does a pretty good job of setting those, those numbers. Um, but we've seen guys, uh, Tati Castellanos, I think was a guy that transfer marked had him at 15 million and he, nobody was going to, nobody's buying him for 15 million for whatever reason. And so I think Drew C was set at 15 and I, yeah, I think it's, it's it's somewhat of a guess. It's a very educated guess, but it is still a guess. And yeah, like I said, it's they are worth what someone is willing to pay for them. And if nobody's willing to pay for them, then they are not worth that at the moment. Yeah. Well, the, on the other side of that, like uh, Chicago just signed uh, what Durant, right, or just sold Durant for like twenty two million dollars to Ansevilla, which I don't think anybody thought that that was like a reasonable price for them to sell him for. But it is whatever the market bears. Yeah. All right, next one is from Ryan Rapp. Will there be any changes, upgrades, changes or upgrades to Q2? Water stations, jellyfish, price is still astronomical. Uh, we have not heard any anything about any upgrades to this. As far as like the amenities like that, uh, actually there was one upgrade whenever I went to the uh, River Plate Rayados game, which is in the ATX market. They have this really useful, but at the same time, really creepy checkout system where you like, I think you scan your credit card and then you go into a gate and then you just pick up the stuff you want and then walk out. And there's like recognition software in the cameras that watch, like follow your mo- your movement, watch you pick up what you pick up. They track what you pick up and then charge you for it as you walk out the door. Nobody talks to you again. You don't scan anything. You just walk out the door and you get charged. And you get charged for it, which I think will probably be convenient. But I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, it's super. It's just part of like everybody watching you going forward. But yeah, we haven't heard beyond that. We haven't heard a lot about any changes. I would expect the jellyfish price will still be astronomical. I have actually. I have no doubt about that. As far as expansion, this is a thing we haven't heard about in quite a while. I want to say the last time we heard Andy Lochnane talk about potentially expanding the stadium was well over a year ago at this point, right? Yes, probably so. Yeah, so I would guess that is still in their plans at some point, but no clue when when they would do that. Okay, let's go to how many French speakers do we have on the team now? Because I believe that you went and figured that out. Uh, I did a little bit of math, so... We lost two, if you're depending on how you're counting, but Felipe and Ruben both spoke at least some French. So, as far as folks that we currently have under contract, we have two native speakers in Musajite and Sofian Jeffal. And then Alex Ring speaks at least some French. I, I don't know that it's a lot, but he does speak some French. And then folks that we have in camp that 
do not have contracts yet are Valentin Noel, who is a native speaker, and then Jackson Walty, who lived in Switzerland for 10 years, um, also speaks French. And so I, last year we went from like one native speaker and it seemed like three guys who could kind of speak a little bit of French to having at least two up to like five or six by, by the end of, of everything. Um, as far as just guys who are going to be in training every day. So, uh, definitely an upgrade there. I I'm, I'm curious, like how intentional that was, if they were looking to diversify the languages, just because if they do bring in another, like another big prospect, like GTA, like it would have been really helpful to have more people who could speak the same language as him to get him adapted. Um, so yeah, hopefully they won't be in that, that, position again we might end up in that position with a different language at some point because i think we lost our only native portuguese speaker uh with felipe leaving so if we sign any brazilians maybe we're in the same boat again (laughs) uh yeah maybe so well that's that was a nicole blair question we have we have a series of roddy reddit's questions so one is from nicole i love a comeback story how likely will reddit and romania have impressive seasons with the team this year came to go with very unlikely do you want to expand upon that? No, I like, I think the best we can hope for is, um, semi-reliable contributors. Like that would be a step up for both of them, like a pretty big step up. And so for them to have an impressive season, yeah, I'd say it's extremely unlikely, but I think it's still possible for one or both of them to, to have a decent year, to improve and like yeah. be, be better than they were the last couple of years. Then Roy, uh, Shamir asks, is this the last year on Redis' contract? I believe he signed a three-year deal when we signed him. Do we, we know, know that? that? I don't know that I we was know trying, that. I was trying to find it uh, earlier today, and there may have been some like whispers through like agent reports or anything, but I did not see it officially reported anywhere how long his contract actually was. So I, it would not surprise me if it were like three years plus an option year. That seems to be the way that Austin operates, but... It would also not surprise me for it to be four years with an option here, given his age. Whenever you sign a young guy, if if he hits, you want to keep him as long as you can on that same number. So, um, yeah, we don't know, but we would guess. I would say it's possible that this it's is possible. Last year. Yeah, and then we have a lease. What's more, well, these she has three options here. What's more likely, fun, or what are you hoping for? Redemption arc for Roddy Redis, the year of Teen Wolf, including first goal with required helling celebration. And trophies, pick one, anyone, I don't care. So let's go with, okay, there are three choices here. Which one is likely, which one is fun, and which one are you hoping for? Can you, can you divide those into those three buckets? Oh, man. On the fly? If not, you can, we can go another way. I would say the most likely option is the year of Teen Wolf. I don't think it's way out of the realm of possibility for Owen to, to have like a huge step up and really... Uh, make some contributions as as a rotational player in in the Austin FC midfield. Um, I think the most fun one would be Rodney Redis. If Rodney Redis just like tore it up this year, it would be Austin FC Twitter would be like the best thing in the world. <laughs> Absolutely, he's so full of joy and and then. Nobody remembering that they ever said anything bad about him and all those think, things. I would agree think with about that. the memes. Think about the memes <laughs> for sure. That would be the most fun. And then the thing that I'm most hoping for is trophies. Trophies. I, I, don't, I don't know. No doubt. Trophies is the most likely one. We have 
several opportunities. I think we have four different opportunities for trophies. But winning trophies is hard. Uh, it's it's not an easy thing to do. You can get really close, and if you get second place, you don't get a trophy. And so uh, that's the one I'm most hoping for, but it, I don't know that it's the most likely one. Not Not because I don't think this team is good. It's just it's a hard thing to do. Yeah, I, I don't have any disagreement with those. Well, how about if you get ATX, ATX Bird Camp Lover 6969420 asks a question. Always a good question. Uh, if you could choose between a striker that scored one goal every game and a striker that two, scored two goals every other game with the same season total, which would you choose and why? This seems super uh, obvious to me. Is it? What's your answer? I don't know. Well, the one, one every game. You start every game with a one goal lead. Yeah, I, that's what I would pick. I, we need so we're about to talk to Travis Greenfield from Los Nerdies Varies, and I wish we would have asked him this question because I'm sure there's some like statistical model you could run that which of those options gives you the better record at the end of the season. I think you're. I think you're right. I think if you're saying like, okay, we're going to get spotted one goal every game, yeah, we'll take that one because you could still go. You could lose a lot of games in those in between ones, right? <laughs> But yeah. if you if you have the one goal, that's that's a great a great start. Hey, you got a lot of draws, yeah, that, that that you would get out of. Um, Trevor Allison has a fun question. What would you name? And I feel like this is one I had a lot of answers for earlier, and I don't have now. If you <laughs> can name the MLS Next Pro Team anything you wanted, what would you name them? Um, I am a. Uh, I think the term is joyless nerd, and so. <laughs> I think I probably would have named them Austin FC two. <laughs> well, I think I think this assumes we're going to pick a fun name. ATX FC two fast too furious is my is my answer to this one. <laughs> Phil, I think Phil is it Verdos that Phil Verdos West is, is a good one. Yes, started. that's a good one too. Uh, you could go with I don't know the saplings or the you could say roots, but that's already a soccer team. So uh, yeah, I'll I'll back yours. A A A T X F C, too fast, too furious. All right, and let's. Uh, I want to go to these two Alex questions. We've got a lot of good questions, and some of these we can save for next week because okay. they're like deeper, deeper discussion roster questions. And I'm just trying, like, we're getting through the fun and dumb ones at this point. Um, Alex is Nashville's getting a Johnny Cat Cash kit this year. Seattle's getting a Bruce Lee one. Are there any Austin icons that could be the basis for the kit, other than Willie Nelson? I mean, so he also says that Nashville also claims Willie Nelson, which I think is unfair because I Nashville, disagree with that. Disagree with that, right? Like Willie Nelson is outlaw country because Nashville did not claim him. Right. They 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 spat him out, and he came back to Austin and became why he's famous. He did a lot of good work in Nashville, but it was in spite of Nashville almost. <laughs> and so he he wasn't Willie until he came back to Austin. And so yeah, I I think Nashville is is off base when they claim him but i think you could go with lesser known ones and ones that i would be less into is stevie ray vaughn um i think one that would be a lot of fun is daniel johnston that one would be cool doing like a jeremiah the innocent themed kit that would be cool los verdes has already kind of done that and kind of like laid that uh laid that possibility with like the link between the Austin FC community and that organization. So it's not such a stretch. It's not as well known as Willie Nelson, but as far as like what the, the family is doing with, with that name and and with his legacy at this point, I think 
does fit in with the team's values and would would make for some very interesting uh, art on that kit for sure. <laughs> yeah, I love that. And he was such an interesting artist. And I think the other, since it says icons could be a base, I'm going to go beyond people and say like, there's a bat kit out there somewhere at some point, I feel like. I mean, we're all happy that we're not like the Austin soccer bats, I think, in terms of uh, like a team name or, or, or a mascot even. But I think there's like, you could do a cool like bat design third kit at some point that would mean a lot to Austin. Oh, yeah. Uh, and then this is Alex's other question. Where were you on the night of August 24th, 2009? Oh my God. August 24th, 2009. I was, do we know what day of the week that was, Jeremiah? <laughs> I do not I know. I was no. probably like working at the, uh, at an Italian restaurant driving delivery. <laughs> nice. I was going to say, I remember that Jackson Bentley was three months old, so I don't know where I was, but I was very, very tired. Because he was not, <laughs> he was not sleeping through the night. Like there was, all of two thousand nine is a blur for me because you of smelled, that. You smelled like vomit, and I smelled like garlic. <laughs> Probably, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we don't know where we were, but we know what we smelled like. And then we have, <laughs> we have one more question. This is from Keith Simon, and I'm only gonna like use this as to like set up something we're gonna talk about in the interview a little bit at the end. Um, talk about Alex Ring's importance to the team. Feel like he gets a lot of criticism criticism for not scoring a lot, but doesn't get enough credit for what he does well, being disruptive in the middle class, chasing guys down, leadership, etc. Yeah, so this is actually something that Travis brings up in the interview, and so um, we'll we'll leave it to Travis to kind of answer that. But we do get into this in the interview, and I I think it's an excellent question, but I don't know that the the answer is so simple. But uh, hopefully, hopefully our answer suffices in this interview with Travis. That being said, we'll transition to that interview right now. Um, Travis is part of Los Nerdes Verdes. You've probably seen their, their graphics on Twitter and Instagram, but uh, they do a lot of great stuff and we're excited to get Travis on to talk about their work. We are thrilled to be joined by Travis Greenfield of Los Verdes Nerdes. You can find them on Twitter and Instagram posting interesting and insightful data visualizations about Austin FC and MLS. Uh, Travis, thanks for joining us, man. Yeah, of course. Really excited to be here. Um, me and, and Aaron, a buddy of mine who who does Los Nerdes Verdes with me, we've been listening for a long time and pumped for the upcoming season. So happy to sit down with you. So tell us about Los Nerdes Verdes and, and why you started it and how you got interested in, in doing stuff like this. Yeah, uh, like I said, uh, it's me and a buddy of mine um, who couldn't make it today, but you'll catch him hawking t-shirts at Hop Squad or in the supporter section with me, mostly trying to keep me calm, uh, which is a <laughs> pretty, pretty common occurrence. Um, in, in prep for this, we, we were talking about how we started and there is some debate on whether the punny name came first or whether it was kind of like, our love of, of sports <laughs> analytics and we we couldn't land on an answer um it is a name it is a name worth starting a, a thing around yeah it's a very good you know, name. <laughs> we get um as much as i like the actual uh, work that we do the compliments that we get the most are we like the name and we like the logo which we will yes. take both of those um, <laughs> but yeah i mean we grew up playing soccer together uh we've been waiting for a professional team in austin for a long time um, and we're both big fans of, of sports analytics, both like in and outside of soccer. So 
after the team was announced, we kind of both just looked at each other and said, like, why couldn't we be the ones who are who are talking about this and doing these visualizations? And after almost two years, here we are. I think our our first visualization was the Seattle, the first Seattle game of the first season, and uh, we've been growing ever since. So you guys, you said you grew up playing. So you're, you're both Austin guys, then? Yeah, uh, Austin area. Um, I, I think it'll probably get me in trouble depending on how much I try to claim my Austin heritage. We we grew up in Georgetown, so not that far up the road, but. Uh, we've both been here uh, since college, so uh, yeah, we're, we're Austin guys through and through. Yeah, so like, let's talk about um, when did you find out the team was coming, and how exciting was that then? Like growing up around around this sport um, and this region that didn't have a professional team. Yeah, uh, I mean, we're, we're like we're one of those people that you will catch like in the early mornings at you know, Haymaker or whatever it may be, like watching the Premier League uh, at eight, nine in the morning, way too early to be to be eating the heavy food and drinking beer. And it was around um, that time we started getting approached by some of the potential supporter groups. We we're like, oh, wow, this thing is actually serious. Um, and then kind of, to be honest, it was listening to y'all, uh, hearing the developments and then finally getting that like, the the final word and the the trigger being pulled and um yeah the, the just getting the updates every time i think it felt a little bit more surreal than the last like oh okay we're actually getting a named coach like this is a real thing we're hearing players here's the stadium um yeah and then it it didn't really feel real i, I think until we we went to our first game so jumping into the work that you guys do um data visualizations are a thing that i am extremely grateful for whenever I think too hard about numbers for any extended period of time, I start to get a little bit lightheaded and I end up not understanding anything that I'm looking at. And so having them displayed in a graphic manner is extremely helpful for me. So, uh, I, I really appreciate what you guys do and really enjoy looking at your work, looking back at either last season or this upcoming season, are there any stats or visualizations that, um, that you want to share with our listeners that can maybe give them a little bit of insight into what's going on with Austin FC? Yeah. I, I mean, I think the, the main thing, and this has been said a lot and this, this became pretty apparent last season of just how historic of a season it was, but I think without looking at the numbers, it can kind of go under the radar of, just how good of a season that was and you, th you think of like the increase in performance from season one to season two we haven't seen anything like it since like the original Chivas team and that was a completely different MLS back then I mean the the increase in like 0.74 points per game is off the charts um and looking into this upcoming season we want to be able to tell the stories of like the individual players in addition to the team. And I think we found some, some really good ways to do that. Um, and just be able to kind of like visualize how Austin FC continues to progress as a club. Are there any specific data points or, or stats that you found that you think were big contributors to that turnaround? Yeah. I, one of the favorite things that we did last season, we really we kind of landed on our niche and landed on uh, something that we really love, which is kind of like a 2D representation of two stats. It sounds like very simple, but it we found it 
does a really good job of telling the story and describing like individual players. So the favorite uh, analysis that we did last year was when the salary dropped and taking a look at how underpaid Brad Stuver was compared to how fantastic of a shot stopper he was. And we really hope that his team was able to kind of use that to, or at least use this, the stat itself to go into contract negotiations and say like, Hey, I am contributing in a big way to this team's success. Um, and I should be paid accordingly. And that's that I think. And the graphic showed that he was way underpaid for the contribution he was making to the team. Um, and it was nice to see the team kind of make good on that. Yeah. I think the first thing that I remember seeing from y'all that really struck me, um, was we've, was the this constant discussion of the horseshoe of sadness. Right. And you guys had this like in the middle of the summer last year, I think, this chart around sort of passing and like how often Austin actually passes the ball backwards. Do you remember that? Um, you remember that chart? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the amount of time that Austin FC spent in every phase of the field, except the middle was insane. I mean, it, it completely stood out compared to the rest of the league. I think we were spending, um, like 80% of our total time either in the tacking or defensive third. And that was all because we just couldn't connect anywhere. It was either the ball was going back and forth around the defenders or it was just kind of being passed around in the attacking third without any action being taken, um, which led to, unfortunately, a lot of the uh, scoreless games that, that we all had to suffer through as fans for a while. I'm having flashbacks of it now. <laughs> yeah, it was a, it was a tough time. Uh, so you shared with us a couple of uh, visualizations that y'all have not released yet. Is that correct? Not yet. Um, I think we're the plan is to release these as as the podcast comes out. So uh, it'll be a nice pairing. Awesome. Do you want to uh, preview any of that or or mention any things that you thought stood out to you when building these? Yeah, so um, I think kind of the main uh, the, uh, visualization that I think is going to be um, a really maybe a talking point around the league is kind of we looked at strength of schedule. And of course, everything in MLS changes so frequently. We You can see based on uh, some of the predictions made by the experts last season, which we did a visualization on. Um, we took a page from your book. We are not in the prediction business. So Perfect. Yeah, you, you should never be. Nobody should be. Absolutely not. Uh, we're not gonna we're not gonna put ourselves out on the limb like that. But we did want to see just kind of how difficult it is to predict these things in MLS, and it's hard. I mean, looking at Seattle last year, they were shoe ins for the number one seed in the West for everybody, and for one thing or another, injuries, the amount of games they played, they fell off. But we decided to take a look at the predicted strength of schedule. I guess we'll call it for the upcoming 2023 schedule. So a little bit of a different format this year in that not everybody will play everybody and some teams will play teams three times. Um, so we decided to plot what was the average um, points per game of the opponents coming up for the 2023 season. Houston, who I'm sure y'all have some listeners of either they're like hate listening or listening uh, to try to get some insight on their opponent is going to have the toughest strength of schedule for the upcoming season. A lot of that has to do with the fact that they play Austin and FC Dallas three times, which is, of course, both both great teams. And I think for the rest of the league, people will be disappointed to hear that LAFC has 
fairly by a fairly significant margin the easiest schedule on the uh, in the league. Um, a lot of that has to do with the fact that they drew San Jose three times, which is ideal for them. Um, and it has to do with a little bit with the fact that they don't have to play themselves. And so their their own points per game is not factoring into that. But um, Austin, it looks like I on think, the flip the flip side yeah, of that, Austin gets to play Houston three times and therefore exactly, it's quite high. <laughs> exactly. And that that ends up resulting in Austin having the third easiest schedule in the league. So um, still a lot to do and a lot of unpredictability coming up but that is something that i think we can be a little bit optimistic about so a lot of bonus yeah we, i was we, gonna say we, bonus games bonus games all the way around is what i hear for oh, austin and LAFC. yeah it. that'll be perfect yeah. <laughs> i hope he doesn't see this <laughs> yeah, we talk about the the amount of games that not just austin but every team but especially austin because they're one of the ccl teams are going to have to play this season so uh, like you said, never bet MLS. We don't know if these teams are actually going to be bad, but based on their 2022 points, that's, yeah, that's hopefully something that can help this team out is having a slightly easier schedule than some of the, uh, the rest of the league. Yeah, absolutely. Plus hopefully now with the, the potentially forfeited first round of, of CCL, it takes a game away. So, um, some good early news as we're kind of like in this preseason slog before the season kicks off. All right. Is there any other? Oh, actually, this is one thing I wanted to ask you about. Um, we talk about this on the show, uh, sometimes out of curiosity and sometimes out of frustration, but expected goals. <laughs> yeah. Where, like, where do you stand on Austin overperforming their expected goals? Do you think, like, do you think it's true that like last season was a fluke and that they overperformed to a degree that is not sustainable for a second year? Do you think expected goals is bogus or do you fall somewhere in between? Yeah, uh, I'll give the the least hot take answer, which is that it fall, probably falls somewhere in between. Um, you certainly will not catch us calling last season's Austin FC team a fraud. I think using the underperformance of XG to make like sweeping analysis of one team, even over the course of a season, is a, it is a bit of a mistake. Um, this season will tell the tale. We could regress the mean. Obviously, there are changes. I think Jowsey's artist is going to be a huge benefit. Uh, he brings with him some skill set that uh, Austin just didn't really have at the number nine last year. So we'll see how much we kind of regress to the, the XG. Um, but it, it's only as good as the stat itself and there are just way too many factors to be able to make a generalization for a team based on xg yeah and i think the point is that like xg is not actually a stat it is it's a, a predictive model yes. or so, somewhat and so yeah like i yeah i think there's something to be said to say like it's not it's not uh sustainable like over a long period of time but I think the thing that frustrated me so much is we were at the end of the season in the playoffs and people were saying, no, Austin's not good because this is unsustainable. Like, no, it was sustainable. Matches, they did yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely. Like, how long do you need to sustain it? It's so true. At some point, you cannot use stats to tell a story that your eyes aren't seeing. It's just not how... Soccer is too complicated and complex. It isn't basketball where there's... 200 points scored a game. It isn't baseball where there's 150 pitches thrown a game with stops and starts. There's too much nuance 
um, especially for an individual stat like that. I do think it can help in a lot of ways. Like we saw one of the biggest um, kind of individual player stats, uh, I would say, is like how much Maxi Arudi overperformed his XG. And I think that bore out on the field as well. I mean, he scored some absolute bangers. I'm thinking about that like half volley from 35 yards out against San Jose. So just looking at the amount of goals he scored doesn't necessarily tell you the whole story of what he was contributing to the team. So looking at that and saying, wow, Maxi scored these incredible goals. He was such a contributor to the team. But in reality, we could possibly upgrade at the number nine still. So bringing in Jazzy's artists, looking at how much he should improve on the total contributions to the team, how much he's getting into dangerous areas, all of those things are going to improve his XG. And so I think it's just as likely that the XG will improve to catch up to the total goal scored than goals will regress to what the XG scored showed last year. Justy Zardes is like, he's the analyst striker, right? Like (laughs) he like is not known as a masterful finisher, but he does the other things, right? He gets good chances. He gets chances close to the goal. And yeah, I think it's a little bit of the opposite of what we had last season. So, uh, I, I'm excited to, to, to see what he can do. And it sounds like you guys are too, right? Yes. And the stat, I think if you're going to look at it like an expected stat, XG is great. It has its purposes. I really like expected assists because one of the great things that it does is it takes out the component of the player that you're passing to. Like, of course, sometimes the, the player that you're passing to, no matter how great of a position you put them in, is just not going to put the ball in the back of the net. But a stat that's really great at measuring how good of a position you put them in is expected assists and Maxi's was quite low last year. We just didn't have a lot of connection in and around the box from that number nine point of view. And that's something Giazzi does really well. He's a much better passer in those tight areas. He will draw opponents away from people like Triusi. Um, really looking forward to seeing the impact that he has this year. Uh, are there any other um, either player or team stats that you wanted to highlight before we let you go? Yeah, I I think so. I have a question for y'all actually on the on the on the uh, the expected goal stat. So I have um, this is not a this is not a dig at this player certainly, but I think it tells a story of like something that we're still looking out of this position. So one measurement is goals minus xg. So essentially, how many goals either above or below the goals that the model expected you to score. Who do you think on Austin FC accumulated the lowest G minus XG? Mm. This is, is going to be the, the worst. Basically, this is the worst finisher. Is that? Is that? I mean, it's the that's more a, or less what you're drawing. Anyway, and yeah, wait, and this this is total or or yes, per cumulative. cumulative. Okay, so it's someone who who played a lot, who actually had uh, decent decent chances or like a, a decent number of chances. Mm. Um. I'm going to say Alex Ring. That was the only guess I had. Uh, so like now I'm going to have to adjust and say uh, Ethan Finley. I'm going to give you all both credit for that. It was Alex Ring. 
And I think that is really interesting because Alex Ring is a fantastic player. I think he catches some grief from the fan base, maybe a little bit more than he deserved, especially when Austin wasn't looking great. But I think there is a question of like, what does Josh Wolf and this team want out of the midfield? Do we want somebody who's going to be kind of like crashing the box and putting these balls away? Or do we want somebody who's more of a facilitator? So I'm, I'm, I'm interested in seeing some of the ways that Wolf is able to kind of play around with this midfield uh, shape or um, with the likes of Jafal. Like, who are we bringing in personnel-wise? wondering if we're going to see more uh, goal contributions from, from the midfield this year. I think that's a good point because Alex Ring does a lot of stuff that um, don't show up on like the scorecard necessarily. Absolutely. I think some of his stuff do show up in stats, but he has these less obvious strengths that I think a lot of people don't give him credit for. But at the same time, it would be very valuable if if we could make some tweaks or put him in better positions or maybe – uh, put him in a different position to allow someone else to be in that position to get those chances and and get more goals out of the midfield. So yeah, that will be something interesting to see if um, if Wolf can can make those tweaks and get those additions without breaking what was going right last year at the same time. So true. All right. Well, Travis, thank you so much for for joining us. Uh, where can folks find you and listener news Verdes? Yeah, uh, we are at Los Nerdes Verdes on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, feel free to give us a follow there. One thing we really want to do this year is talk more about stats in the middle of the game to give some contextual stuff. So give us a follow on Twitter. Um, that's where we do most of our stuff. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us. We look forward to uh, to seeing you at Hop Squad or at a game sometime this yeah. season. All right. Thanks, man. Thanks, y'all. All right, we want to thank Travis and Los Nerdies Fridays one more time for coming on the show. We'd also like to remind you to rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, come find us on Twitter at LVHero87, Bentley underscore ATX, and at Moontower Soccer on Twitter and Instagram. And sign up for the Patreon. Like we said, we're working on some cool stuff for the rewards this year. We'd also encourage you to visit the Striker website where you can get a 30% discount with the code MOONTOWER22 with a capital M. Jeremiah, what should folks look out for? Phil West wrote a great article this week about the preseason match that we discussed. Great headline. Three things we learned from Austin FC's myopically relayed closed-door scrimmage against Philadelphia Union. It's the kind of content you can only get at the Striker, Texas. At the Striker. (laughs) All right, well, thanks so much for listening. We will be back next week with another episode of Moon Tower Soccer. Until then, I'm Landon Cottom. I'm Jeremiah Bentley. We'll catch you next time. When no one is around Think for nothing, you never... La gente... Oh, my God.